This is a Sunday message from New Community Church in London. To discover more about New Community, visit newcom.church. And this morning as well, we've come to the end of our Belong series. Um, where over the past few weeks we've been looking through the lens of being disciples, family members, and missionaries at what it means to belong to New Community Church. And this morning we're going to be concluding by looking at missionaries part two. Perhaps you have wondered, or maybe you're wondering, why do we have two sessions um, to each of these disciples, family members, and missionaries, especially being missionaries? Um, The James and the elders run out of ideas and thought, hmm, let's just have a repeat session of this. Or maybe it's because it's the end of term and actually, let's just fill time. Um, But I don't think so. Or it might be because they think it's really, really, really important and they want us to get it. The reality is that over the past 18 months, it has been extremely difficult to live in the reality of who we are as family members, as a family of God, and as a gathered body of Christ. Lockdown restrictions has conditioned us to live in a way that's foreign to who we are. And we also have an enemy who has been throwing lots of lies and confusion into our minds to make us question who we are. And his tactics have not changed. Right from the very beginning with Adam, did God actually say? And to Jesus Christ, if you are the son of God, he brings doubts and questions into your mind. Do you really belong? Do you think you fit in? Do you think anybody will miss you if you're not here? Our sense of belonging has been questioned and challenged over the past 18 months. And unfortunately, some people have lost theirs. But the thing is, without a sense of belonging, there is a lack of purpose. And then confusion sets in as to how we live. And we start to feel detached, and sometimes we start to drift away. And we're now in a season of regarding as a church, and God has been challenging us in different ways about getting match fit. And there are different areas which individually and corporately we need to get fitter so that we can move forward in God's purposes. So it's therefore extremely important as as lockdown restrictions are being lifted up and we start to resume normal life that we are repeatedly reminding ourselves of who we truly are so that we can lay hold again of this foundational truth and begin to live in the reality of who we are. But the thing is there's power in repetition. I don't know, maybe sometimes uh, if you go go into the shops and you forgot your list at home and you haven't got your phone on you, what do you usually do if somebody told you to buy bread, egg, and milk? You you keep saying to yourself, bread, egg, milk, bread, egg, milk, bread, egg, milk, until you get there. And many times you remember, you don't forget. And also, if you think about product manufacturers, what do they do to help us remember their brands? They maximize the power of repetition. So for example, if I say, da-da-da-da-da-da, I'm loving it. (laughs) What are you thinking of right now? Big Mac. Or if I say, because you're worth it, you think of L'Oreal. Why do we remember these short phrases? It's because we've heard them so many times, and so we easily associate them with the brand that they represent and the product that they're trying to sell us. So hopefully, if I say disciples, family members, and missionaries, even though it's a mouthful, (laughs) we should be thinking, that's me, and that's you. So the Bible is full of repetition, phrases, stories, Things are repeated in the Bible. Many times we emphasize the importance. And also because we have a tendency to forget. And our loving Heavenly Father who made us and created us, He knows us best. And so He tells us the same things over and over again. And in Philippians 3.1, Paul said to the Philippian church, to write the same thing to you 
is not trouble for me, but it's safe for you. And so this morning, brothers and sisters, once again, you're going to hear that you are a disciple, you are a family member, you are a missionary. It is safe for you. And for some of us, we need to actually go back and listen to all these messages so that the Holy Spirit can engrave this foundational truth about who we are deep down in our hearts. And so this morning, we know we understand what church is not. Church is not a building we come to on Sundays. Church is not a service we attend. And church is not a service that we access as consumers. But rather, church is a family that we belong to. And every single one of us, from the oldest to the youngest, we each have a part to play. We have a unique role to play within this church family. And every human family has their own unique characteristics and traits. Some are inherited, some are learned. I belong to a family of five. There you are, my husband, and I've got three girls. And I lay claim to all the good inherited traits in their life. But anything else, it comes from the size of the family. But there are also some learned traits. I remember the girls growing up, and they'll come back from school, and they say to me, oh, why can't we do this, or why can't we do that? Why does everybody else do this, and that person does that? And I used to see them and say, what's your name? And they'll say, Tara Kolajo, Shiji Kolajo, Simi Kolajo. I say, what's your friend's name? Zoe Bacon, or whoever it is. And I said, what's the difference between the surnames? It's Collagio and Bacon, okay? <laughs> so, being part of the Collagio family, this is what it looks like. Unfortunately, there's nothing I can do about that. Maybe it was harsh, but they got the story. They got the picture in the end. They don't ask me questions about why don't we do this or why don't we do that, because it's unique to our family. And so we can also say for us as family members, disciples, missionaries, this is our inherited family traits. And we can say, belonging to the family of God, that's what it looks like. And so maybe you're thinking, oh, disciple, I've got that. Oh, family member, I definitely have got that. But missionary, sorry, that passed me by. And think, that person's got that. And that person's got that, but I definitely I don't have that. The thing, if you're feeling that way this morning, I have wonderful news for you. Because being disciples, family members and missionaries is not a matter of chance or probability. It's not dependent on our abilities or personalities. It is all about the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the old has passed away, behold, the new has come. And so the moment we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and become Christians, we are in Christ. The gospel wipes away our sins and saves us. The gospel also recreates us and immediately and completely transforms us into disciples, family members, as well as missionaries, making us a new creation in Christ. Our identity is changed. We are born again and we are adopted into the family of God. We are not attaining to or aspiring to be. We are not waiting in hope that maybe one day I'll get there. But we are born again with this attribute. It is in our DNA. And just like a newborn baby is born with all they need to be fully human, even though all their faculties are not fully developed, when we are born again into God's family as well, we have all we need to be disciples, family members, and missionaries. However, we are not fully developed. We did not say the same, though. We have a requirement to grow. First Peter 2, verse 2 says, Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. And then Ephesians 4, verse 15 and 16. It says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, 
joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We are to grow up in every way. We are to mature in Christ as disciples, family members, and missionaries. We can liken the Christian works with a journey, a journey of learning and following Jesus, which begins when we commit our hearts to Christ and ends when we see him face to face and we become conformed to his image. A journey which we are not meant to embark on our own, but we go on this adventure alongside other family members who are at different stages of learning from us. And it's within this community that we develop as disciples. It's this, this is where we grow and mature as family members and missionaries. And during this learning of, uh, and this, during this discipleship and this journey, we realize that some things are quicker learned than others. And at times, we also have to relearn some things as we gain new perspectives from the Word of God. I remember coming into New Community Church uh, about 17 years ago from a church background with a huge emphasis on doing into a church with a huge emphasis on grace. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with doing. It's just that sometimes the motives and reasons for doing can be wrong. And I began to learn about grace. I was exposed to new ways of thinking from God's word. And I discovered that contrary to what I thought, grace was not an excuse for sloppiness or laziness. And that it's actually grace that teaches us to do. Not out of necessity or compulsion, or to end points with God, or to please man, or that's what every other Christian does, but because grace teaches us to do out of who we are, out of being, and out of our love for God. So I had to relearn and reprogram my mind about doing, and actually come to a place that I know that all doing and every doing is an act of grace. And so I believe also that another area where we need to rethink what we think we know is in this area of being missionaries. And just to say, a missionary is somebody sent on a mission. So we need to address what is my current mindset when I think about being a missionary. Because fundamentally, before we can change the way we act, we have to change the way we think. The things we do or we do not do is a direct consequence of what we think. And so we need to question ourselves, as, what do I think about being a missionary? It's okay for somebody to stand here and say, oh, you're a missionary, but what do I actually think? Do I think that I'm a missionary? So this morning, let's explore what we think about being missionaries. Being versus doing. Many of us, maybe until recently, will think about missionaries and, um, and we associate it with doing things. Depending on your background, you might have a traditional view and think of missionaries as, as those that go to a foreign country um, with the main aim of sharing the goodness of the gospel. And we might also think of being a missionary in terms of sharing our faith with unbelievers, which many of us desire to do, but we find very, very scary. It can sometimes feel like paying tax. How many people like paying tax here? <laughs> you don't like paying tax, but you know you have to. It's got to be done. And so sharing our faith sometimes can feel like a burden. Oh, we have to share our faith because we are Christians, and it becomes an obligation. And I'm sure many of us in the room, there's many of us that have been in the faith for a while, will identify with the experiences and have stories as we recollect some effective and maybe not so effective ways of reaching out with the gospel. Some of us might be old enough to know what a tract is. I have a tract. I bought some over Christmas, and I put them in my, in my Christmas cards. Um, for those that are younger, a tract is like a little leaflet, and it just explains the gospel. And so many, many years ago, this, this, before everything became electronic, this was very popular. Um, or some of us might have been involved in street evangelism. Who's done that? I hated that. 
And I used to pray, God, please give you somebody that's bold as a partner so that I don't have to say anything. I just tag along. <laughs> so, um, or knocking on people's doors to share the gospel. And if you're being part of a new community, you probably think of invest and invite, missionship, living, alpha courses. These are wonderful things. But they are all things that we do. And these are the things that we associate with being a missionary. And the problem with thinking about being a missionary this way is that our minds associate these things with our inadequacies and our failures. And so when we think of it, negative emotions are awakened within us, ranging from guilt to fear to embarrassment. And this results in a lack of excitement, which leads, leads us to write ourselves off as ineffective and then we give up. However, being a missionary first and foremost is about who we are, our identity before our actions, what we do. We cannot separate who we are from what we do. And this is where we require a shift in our mindset because doing out of who we are is the way of the Christian life. And a, a famous man of God, James Silly, made this statement a few years ago, um, which has stayed with me. And it's, and it's just so simple but very profound. And it's whose we are determines who we are and then how we should be. Whose we are determines who we are and then how we should be. And this is not just about being missionaries. In every area of our life, whose we are determines who we are and how, should be, how we should be. There's a systematic flow from whose we are to who we are and then how we should be. But many times, we get the order wrong. How we should be tends to come first. We focus all our energy on how we should be. We try to live on mission by doing things that somebody else has said. And it feels very unnatural, it feels awkward. It's not very exciting because it's lifeless and it's flat. It's unsustainable and it leads to frustration. And we cannot get excited over somebody else's excitement. We need to have our own excitement about sharing the gospel. And what we are not excited about, we cannot share with other people. So how we should be, what we do, can only be full of life when it's flowing from who we are. And so knowing who we are is very crucial, and it's also an overflow from whose we are. God created us, He is our source, and we belong to Him, and it's only as we grow in knowing Him that we begin to grasp a deeper revelation of who we are. When we know who we are, how we should be, in other words, the things we do, they cease to be a struggle, but they become a natural overflow. And so this morning, rather than focusing on how we should be, so I'm not going to give you a long list of things that we should be doing this morning, but we're going to focus on who we are. We want to live here this morning fully convinced on the word of God that we are missionaries, a people sent on mission. That's who we are. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, a very famous Bible verse, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So God has done a marvelous work in us. He chose us and redeemed us. He's made us his people for a purpose, that we might proclaim his excellencies. So living to proclaim God's excellencies and making him known is the purpose for God making us his people. The gospel, start, uh, the gospel came to us, but it does not end with us. We are not supposed to hold the gospel, but we are supposed to herald the good news to other people. 
We are sent to continue the mission of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 20, 21, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And in Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the ages. So we have been chosen to proclaim the good news of the gospel, and we have been commissioned to make disciples of all nations. And in, in part one, James gave us a zoomed out view of what a missionary should know. And so this morning, we just want to zoom in on four aspects of our identity as missionaries. Four things about who we are as God sent people, leaving us to proclaim his excellencies in the world. And the first point is that we are witnesses. We are witnesses. A witness is someone who has a personal knowledge of something. And in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So we have a personal knowledge of being called out of darkness into God's marvelous light. And we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses. And the woman at the well of Samaria, she gives us a great example of what it is to be a witness. She had an encounter with Jesus, which was impossible for her to keep to herself. So she tells everyone about it. John 4, 29 and 39. She said, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. And there was also a demon-possessed man that was healed by Jesus in Luke chapter 8. And he wanted to follow Jesus everywhere he went. But Jesus said to him in verse 39, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus has done for him. And that's who we are, witnesses for Jesus, to proclaim what Jesus has done for us. How much this salvation means to us. For those that don't think we can have a relationship with the living God, we witness that I have a relationship with the living God and so you can. So we are witnesses for Jesus. And the second thing is that we are the fragrance of Christ. I love a good fragrance. And a good fragrance should linger long. It should stay. When you, when you buy cheap perfume, it doesn't, you just like... You waste your money, um, basically. So sometimes it's what paid a little bit extra to get a good one so that the fragrance will linger. Um, and, so, and, when, and I don't know about you, sometimes when you smell something, it instantly makes you remember some, something. You tie, you associate the smell of something with a particular place or a particular person. And the Bible says that we are the aroma of Christ. And so wherever we go, we should leave the fragrance of Christ behind. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 to 16. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal, triumphal possession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death and to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? This is who we are, the aroma of Christ. God through us, diffuses the, knowledge of his, the fragrance of his knowledge everywhere we go. And so we leave the fragrance of Christ behind. Number three, we are Christ's ambassadors. Second Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the old has passed away. 
Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, but entrusting towards the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Ambassadors represent their government in another country, and they have the full authority as well as the backing of the head of state. We are citizens of heaven. We don't belong here. We live in the world, but we are not of the world. We are here or not as ambassadors for Christ, and we are representatives of God wherever we go. And we have God's full backing because he has given us full authority in the name of Jesus to bring reconciliation to the world. And so this is who we are. We are God's representatives. We carry the victory of Jesus wherever we go. We bring his hope and we shine his light. And finally, we are God's fellow workers. 1 Corinthians 3.9, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. We have been enlisted to be co-workers in God's service. How exciting is that? It's better than any job you can ever have. It's the best honor to be called to be engaged in the Father's business. We are God's assistants. We are called and equipped partners who work together with God. We work under him, we work with him, and we work for him. And we get to be the means by which God renews the world, one person at a time. This is who we are, brothers and sisters. God's co-workers working together with God in promoting the purposes of God and the salvation of precious souls. The thing is, when we have a full conviction about who we are, when we know that we are witnesses and that we're the fragrance of Christ, that we are ambassadors and co-workers with God, we will not easily discount or dismiss ourselves as having nothing to offer to those without God and without hope. Because we know that it's not about us, but it's about whose we are. When we truly believe that, know that we are God's fellow workers and that we are God's sent people who are to live to make disciples of all nations and bring renewal, we will be eager to be part of a community with other fellow workers and learn to live a life of mission together. When we know that with the aroma of Christ, and you know that you can't see a fragrance. If somebody's wearing something, you can't, oh, I can see that. No, you can't see the fragrance, but you can smell it, it's there. But meanwhile, an ambassador, you see an ambassador, you know who an ambassador is. So when we have an understanding that we are both fragrance and ambassadors, we will live our life with intent. Our aim will be to live the fragrance of Christ everywhere we go, but also to look for opportunities to share the hope that we have in Christ. And when we truly comprehend that we are ambassadors for Christ, we will represent Christ in all of our relationships. We will point people to God. We will commit to being salt and light. And we will seek tangible ways to love and serve people, as well as try to reach them with the good news of Jesus. There will not, these things will not be a struggle. They will just be a natural overflow when we know who we are and when we are grounded in the knowledge of who we are. And so our priority, even as we go into the summer, should be to grow in confidence and faith in who we are. But the thing is, who we are only becomes clearer in the light of whose we are. Let's, I remember the illustration Catherine gave us at the very first session about the dancer who had music um, in his or her ear and was fully captivated by this music, and this person was dancing to God's rhythm. This is where we begin to learn who we are, when we are fully captivated by God, when we are growing in love and passion for God, when we are having close communion with him and loving him with all of our hearts and our souls and our mind and our strength, and we are fixing our attention on him. This is where we begin to grasp a deeper revelation of who we are. And 
as we begin to do this, we realize that what matters to God begins to matter to us. Pleasing Him and doing His will begins to become a priority as well. And if you think about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it was in close communion with the Father. He did nothing of His own accord because He knew where His source was. John 5, 19. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Jesus knew and did the will of the Father even to the very end. He knew who he was, and he knew what his mission was about. And everything he did, his lifestyle choices, was a reflection of this. Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And, when, and then Mark 2.17, When Jesus heard this, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus' mission was to call sinners and to seek and save the lost. And so he hung, out, he hung out with people, even people that did not fit the religious mold. Jesus shared meals, conversation with people. He did life with others. He made time for individuals, and he also preached in large crowds. He lived welcoming anyone who was willing to learn more about the Father. And he invited people to come and encounter the kingdom of God. This is how we should be, because we are disciples of Jesus. A disciple is a follower, a learner. We want to follow the leader. We want to pattern our lives after Jesus. And so this morning, as we just um, think about some practical things that, what does how, that some practical things about who we are and how it overflows into how we should be, just looking at how Jesus lived. And there's just two things I just want to quickly mention as we just draw to a conclusion now. And, and the first one is about making room in our lives to, for those we have been sent to. Because we have been sent to make disciples. But if we are not in the midst of the people that need to be saved, there's no how we can um, sort of share the fragrance of Christ or represent God to them. So we need to make room in our lives for those who, are, who we have been sent to. Jesus made room in his life and he made time for people. He was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And so we need to look into our lives and see how we can give time to our non-Christian friends. And I was challenged about this a few years ago. Um, when I looked into my circle of friends, I realized I did not have any non-Christian friends. Many of my friends would say, which is a great thing, um, but also, how can I be salt and light? How can I be an ambassador? How can I be a fragrance if I don't have people around me that don't know Christ? And so, Intentionally and proactively, I had to start to invest in some relationships um, with non-Christians. And so we have to make a decision as to actually, God, when I look around me, there's really nobody that I'm investing in or inviting into the kingdom of God. God, would you give me somebody? Even if, would you give me one person? When we begin to have that desire and pray, God will bring people into our lives that we can begin to share our lives with. And then secondly, community as well. Within our communities, we need to challenge and encourage one another to grow in this area of our lives because this is part of who we are. We are not just disciples and family members, we are also missionaries. And so we need to make talking about this natural in our, in our communities. It should not feel like, oh, talking about this again. No, it should be a natural thing to talk about sharing our faith and sharing the gospel. Um, we should share stories, whether they're, e whether they're effective or not effective, whether they're embarrassing, whether they're failures or successes, we should just learn to talk about this naturally in our communities. 
and we should make praying for those that are not saved also a priority in our communities. We should all, we, when we did missionship living, we had a list of five. Um, let's, let's not forget that. Let's bring that and pray for those people so that they can be saved. We are a people on mission. Jesus said in Luke 10 verse 2, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send that laborers into his harvest. And so we have been invited to come and join Jesus in reaping his great harvest. God longs for each one of us to experience a full life through his son, Jesus Christ. And once we are hooked by God, God wants us to become fishers of men and join him in fishing for others. And many of us, we desire to share our faith. We desire to be missionaries, but we think we lack the know-how. And some of us, we have actually tried and we have now become frustrated because we have not seen any fruit. And let's remember the story Jesus, um, about Jesus and his disciples when they were fishing. And Jesus said, that the, the disciples, they've been, um, Peter, they, they weren't his disciples, and Jesus was, about, was just about to call them. And um, they had been fishing all night, and they had caught nothing. And Jesus asked them to go again. And in Luke chapter 5, verse 4 to 6, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. So at the master's word, they let down the nets again and they enclosed a large number of fish. Brothers and sisters, it's time for us to lay hold of the master's word by faith and go again. Where there's been toil, Maybe we need a transition in our mindset and begin to replace our thinking of being missionaries as something we do to something that we are. It's not about what we do, but it's about who we are. So as we go about our daily business, we know that we are the aroma of Christ and we're his witnesses. And so we are looking for opportunities just to live out who we are and be who God wants us to be. We are missionaries, ordinary people with an extraordinary God. We are part of something bigger, something connected to a bigger purpose. We are active participants in God's great story. And we know how the story ends. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. And after this, behold, I looked a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is where the story ends. But right here, right now, we are God's agent for restoration and renewal here on earth, one person at a time. God made us for purpose. Let us choose to live with intent. Let's proclaim the excellences of God in our spheres of influence. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim his excellences, the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once we were not a people, but now we are God's people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy.